0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Empire State of Cannabis. Uh, The hot topic these days seems like everyone's talking about is taxes, cannabis taxes. So uh, brought on the show today, an expert um, from Rochester, uh, Jason Klimek. Jason, welcome to the show. Um, And uh, Jason is a senior associate and head of the cannabis practice at Boylan Code. Uh, It's a law firm based out of Rochester, and he's also on the board of Hemp Lab, and uh, rock normal. Uh, so very involved in the cannabis industry. Um, and, you know, ha- ha- has has been around for a couple years, you know, talking about the tax issues, talking about, you know, various issues. And so I'm really excited to, uh, to have you on the show, Jason.
1: Well, yeah, thank you, Kalen, for having me. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've talked taxes a lot, and I love to nerd out on it. So let's <laughs> Let's
0: do it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, no, I think I think the listeners will appreciate you know a a, a good nerd out session on on taxes because uh, you know there's there's a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation you know about the taxes and and about what they'll do. And so you know, let's just start with really you know what we're looking at right now in 2021. There's two dueling. Proposals for legalizing cannabis in New York, right? You have the legislature's proposal, which is the Marijuana Regulation and Tax Act, the MRTA, and Governor Cuomo's proposal, which is the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. And within those two proposals, uh, there's a lot of similarities, but one of the largest differences is the tax structure. And actually where that tax revenue goes. So let's let's begin at that, Jason. Can you outline what what are the differences between the CRTA and the MRTA when it comes to tax structure?
1: So huge differences. I would say that, you know, other than maybe some of the social equity pieces and like the opt-out, this is probably one of the most divergent issues between the two bills. Um, you know, and it's funny to kind of look back in history and how they were apart came together and then just shot way far apart. Mm. Um, So, you know, just to back up a little, the MRTA had initially, I think, come out with, I think they were initially, when they first came out 15, um, in 2015, it was about a 15% flat tax. And then as the governor's proposal started coming out in 2018, they kind of came to the same conclusion that they should have this weight-based tax um, that was, rates three times higher than those in california so you know the rate the california ones are like 10 cents and uh up from there and you know basically new york tripled that plus a flat tax then in the mrtac version which came out just about a year ago um the legislature blew us all away and said okay you know what we have heard your voices this weight based tax is going to cripple the industry, we're going to get rid of it. And we're going to have what essentially becomes a 22% flat tax, it's an 18% excise tax, and then 4% local taxes. Hmm. Um, Then this year, Governor Cuomo's bill came out um, kind of out of nowhere with a THC based tax, which would be like the... Sort of the first, but also maybe the second in the nation. I say that because Illinois does have that THC-based tax, but Illinois does it a lot more like alcohol, where they just kind of say, if you're above this threshold, it's X percent. If you're below this threshold, it's Y percent, things like that. New York comes in and says, we are going to tax the total the milligrams of total THC in a product, and then the rate is going to change based on whether it's a flour product, concentrate product, or edible product.
0: Yeah, and it, so 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 that's where it diverges from from Illinois, right? But so the difference then between the MRTA and the CRTA, the MRTA taxes flat. So when you say excise tax, where is that tax calculated in the MRTA, the legislature's version? Where does that tax get calculated when you say excise tax of eighteen percent and then four percent local taxes?
1: So. I believe it's written because I was looking at some legislative notes that it's at the wholesale level is the 18% and then 4% um, tacked on at retail. And they are exempted from the um, sales tax law. So we don't have to add in that 8-ish percent.
0: So the consumer would only see 4% on their receipt when, after they, when they buy a product.
1: Right. The 18% would kind of be built into the product. Price,
0: gotcha. Okay, and that would be paid by the dispensary or by the distributor,
1: uh, right? So yeah, the, it's basically passed down as part of the cost to the the dispensary, and it, it just becomes part of their cost of goods sold. Um, so if that's and and that's what we also see in the CRTA as well. So that adds to the price. So we always have to be cognizant of you get this tax on tax. So mm-hmm. when you have an excise tax, you know. Businesses are not in the, the um, game of absorbing taxes. They get passed down. There's, there's economic ceilings and floors to that. You know, at some point, consumers will not pay above a certain amount. But with price elasticity, um, you know, the, price, the, the tax will get passed down. And so now that product cost is the cost of the cannabis plus the tax. And now you're going to tax 4% on that whole cost. So we get into a, almost a European model of the value-added tax where you're just piling on taxes, which is something that we, in general, don't do in the United States. Every, cha- every link in the chain doesn't have to pay tax. The only tax is really paid by the end user of the product.
0: Interesting. And so what does the net effect of the tax, and we're, we're talking MRTA, we'll get to CRT in a second, but what is the net effect on that? Meaning what is the effect on the price of a product? Um, is it truly so, 18%? I mean, is that is that what it is? Or is there, because it's levied in a different point, is it different?
1: Uh, I, I mean, it does end up being a little higher because you're getting that extra 4% in, like you're not just taxing 22% in total of the final yeah. price, you're taxing 18%. And then you're taxing 4% of 18% plus the product price. So it does get a little bit more, it's probably comes out my guess if I had to off the cuff it probably when you instead of 22%, maybe it's a little closer to 25%. Um, just because you get that little extra in there. But I'd have to run through the calculation. So how
0: does that compare to other states then Jason, in your experience?
1: I would say that it's it's fairly in line with many states. You know, Colorado would be right about there. Colorado kind of goes in between twenty-five and thirty, depending on if it's a fully vertically integrated um, business versus um, you know maybe just their cannabis uh, cultivators and processors selling or selling out to a third party. Um, close to Massachusetts, which uh, there's, I believe is twenty percent um michigan's is like 16 ish percent i believe uh then you get out to like washington you're at like 37 percent. california's they using the weight-based tax they can go as high as like 40 something-ish percent 40 45 percent um so you know we would i say i would say we would be at the low end of average with the mrta's tax rate
0: okay and now, the 4% going to state and, or local municipalities and, and the county, right, doesn't seem like a lot, but wh- how, what kind of effect would that have on uh, county and municipal budgets, um, you know, in a in a fully fledged marketplace?
1: I mean, huge, right? Like, the way sales tax works now is, you know, let's just take the statewide, call it 8%. It's really 4% to the state, 4% to the locality. So it's basically saying, here's your sales tax on cannabis, and it's just for you. And it um, is kind of that stick in the carrot saying, if you continue to, or if you do not opt out, Mm. you get that money. So it's. Because when you kind of reference the MRTA's policy of social equity and things like that, they want to see this reinvestment. So they want to incentivize municipalities to stay in the law. And by doing that, here's 4% of the sales. Um, so I think that it's, it's a great way to um, incentivize municipalities to stay, to continue to opt in and really help to reinvest within those communities, you know, with COVID, you um, We've seen a lot of stores closing that hurts a lot of sales taxes. People aren't out shopping Um, and online sales taxes are kind of sketchy at best. Like, you know, if you're dealing with a big company like Amazon, you'll pay them. If you're dealing with small out-of-state companies, you may not. So um, I think it's a real boom to local economies.
0: So now... That revenue, right, that tax revenue that goes to the counties or the state, it's from a federally legal sale of a product, right? Can they use that tax revenue, however they feel, or is there restrictions?
1: I don't believe there are restrictions insofar as if they want to put it like Colorado famously has used it for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, Reinvestment in education, infrastructure, drug uh, education and awareness, So, and and the um, MRTA is very much geared towards that type of thing, a large community reinvestment, low and no cost loans to uh, equity participants and things like that. So it's really just plowing the money right back in to the communities where it kind of was generated.
0: That makes sense. Okay. So and 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 they actually have revenue allocations. They have, you know, fifty percent of the revenue goes towards these, you know, kind of community grant funding um, for you know disadvantaged communities. Um, but b- before we get to the the allocations, because this is a sticking point, allocations and there's a difference, right? In the CRTA, what is the CRTA structure? You alluded to it on a THC tax. What does that mean? And what is the wh- what is the proposed structure of this? Um, unique, very unique. Uh, tax proposal.
1: So it's definitely contrary to maybe what has been said. It's actually relatively complex to the point where uh, I think you would have to call them some professionals contacted me and said, you need to walk us through this. Like we don't, Mm -hmm. we're not getting it. So the first thing that we have to talk about is it's taxing total THC. Important, right? Because total THC, and it's really going to be important in the mostly in the flower realm, um, because that's really where it's going to make a difference. Total THC is the THC A plus delta nine, um, I guess, technically delta 82, um, but delta nine. So those are the two big ones. And in flower, you're going to have the vast and overwhelming majority is THC A and a little delta nine. Um, And the reason that's so important is because we have to do a calculus to get the after conversion or after decarboxylation of the THCA down to the T the delta nine because New York state or the governor's proposal they want to tax the psychoactive substance that's the delta Mm nine so we have to do THCA times 0.877 because when we heat up THCA to make delta nine we lose 12.3 percent of the weight so first we got to do that calculus and we got to get to total THC great now we have total THC So then we have to determine the amount of total THC in the flour, the concentrate or the edibles. And then the flour is seven tenths of a cent per milligram. That's the tax rate. If it's a concentrate, it's one cent per milligram. And if it's an edible, it's four cents per milligram. And that's the THC tax. We also,
0: and that's at wholesale. Who's paying that THC tax? That's at wholesale. Okay.
1: So that's going to be paid through the chain, um, not at the cash register. It's going to be built into the price. Okay. Um, Then at retail, we also have a 10.25% state tax, as well as it is specifically not exempted from sales tax so add in another roughly eight percent depending on your county so we have another eighteen ish percent that will you will see on your
0: receipt wow so there's two levels of taxes two levels of very significant taxes whereas the mRTA says 18% in the wholesale just on the sale and then you know four uh, percent levied at the consumer when the consumer buys the product at point of sale but this is levying uh, very significant taxes, you know, one is a THC tax, and then the other one is going to be about eight and a half, eight and a quarter per, or 18 and a quarter percent, 18 and a half percent at the actual point of sale. What is the effect of that? What is the net effect? We call it the effective tax. Rate. What is that, um, you know, calculated at generally, right? Because it's going to be different based on the product, but generally w- w- where do you think that falls?
1: Right. So, you know, when when we, and I when I say we, NYC GPA has been on top of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at those rates, you know, we've seen rates when you're looking at the concentrate realm of in excess of 60%, all said and done, if you look at all of the taxes that were kind of accumulated throughout the whole chain, by the time it gets to the end consumer, they are paying a tax rate of something like sixty something percent, they're not going to see that on their receipt. But if you were to take out all the taxes, that's what they would be.
0: Wow! So they're, wow! So when you buy a product, if you say you you spend hundred dollars at the dispensary, you're saying that sixty dollars of that hundred dollars spend is going to the state.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's it's effectively can be doubling the the taxes or the price of a product. Um, Over like the illicit market or something like that. Like that's, that's how far those taxes are driving it up is, you know, if the product costs $50, then $30 of that is uh, then the price at the register is going to be 80 bucks because 30 is going to the state. Fifties going to the the retailer.
0: So now, so now you say sixty percent. Now, what is the difference here? Because the state, the Department of Budget, they're they're coming in at like thirty percent, thirty five percent. That's what we're hearing from the state. So what's the difference there?
1: I really, I mean, I think that they're probably just not considering the fact that every time the cannabis changes hands, and we know it will because of the strict non-vertical integration in the adult use market every time, there's obviously a profit margin in there. So everybody adds their profit into it and then you get taxed at one rate. And then when it comes down, you get taxed at that on on another rate and you've had profit built in all the ways every time it increased price and you're coming out with these gigantic tax rates. so, I mean, I don't know, like if you take a very, very low example, like maybe 10% um, uh, cannabis flower with like 10% THC, maybe you'll see like a 30-ish percent rate. Um, but if you push those uh, percentages up in the flower or you know in the concentrate realm, you're dealing with 60, 80, 90% THC, um, you're gonna see those rates jump very quickly.
0: And so the argument there, right, is first off that weight-based taxes don't usually work because where do you weigh it? At what point do you weigh it, et cetera, right? So I've heard that. I've heard that percent-based tax doesn't work as well when you're trying to forecast out your revenue from a state perspective, or if the prices drop, et cetera. But um, what do you think about those arguments to say we need something completely different from weight-based or percent-based, and that's why we have this THC tax, uh, you know, kind of imposed?
1: My, I mean, I get the arguments. I understand that the state likes to forecast, and the weight-based taxation does kind of help mitigate the fluctuations because, yes, if you do the math and, you know, you look at, like, CBD, what happened a year ago, if the price is crater, your taxes do too, because they're just a proportion. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, I think what the THC tax specifically comes down to is not so much mitigation and that types of thing. It's really kind of more of a prohibitionist take on it is we want to stop people from using higher concentrations of things. um, And therefore, we're going to tax it at a higher rate. I think in my opinion, that's, that's the real
0: genesis of it. So you know what I don't understand about that, Jason, is because, yeah, the federal government has different classes of, of excise tax on alcohol, right? But they don't tax it based on the percent, right? There's just, there's just they tax liquor different than wine and different than beer. That's what it comes right. down to, right? Now, if you're drinking liquor that's, say, 100 proof, 120 proof, whatever, right? Well, you're not going to drink a 16-ounce pint of it. You're going to drink a shot, right? Mm. And, and with a beer, you're going to drink about so wouldn't that be the same with concentrates and high THC flour? You're just going to consume less of it. I mean,
1: that would be my argument, is yes. I mean, you know, obviously there's always the chance for abuse. And are there people who would drink a pint of liquor? Yeah, maybe they're out there. And the same might be said in cannabis, but by and large. You're having those people who, instead of maybe using, I don't know, a a bunch of flour, a gram, let's say, or something like that, they're taking a couple hits off of a concentrate that in totality, the whole concentrate is a gram. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it doesn't really, it only punishes people for buying certain products. It doesn't prohibit anybody from doing anything that they would are wouldn't already do.
0: Do you think it even disincentivizes people? I mean, or, or you know, what what would be the so so first off, do you think that a price? Do you think New York will have a very difficult time having competitive pricing with the proposed taxes from from the governor's office?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you know, um, Massachusetts got has like a twenty percent tax. They're depending on where you live in the state. Maybe they're a half hour away from you. Um, hmm for me, it's like five hours. Um, but, you know, New Jersey, if they don't coordinate exactly with New York, you're going to have people who start going to other places, you're going to have our already flourishing illicit market, you know, as much as anybody wants to try to deny that we don't have an illicit market, we have a very entrenched illicit market, we sure. have one of the largest in the country. Sure. Um, and we know based on other states, because now we have, you know, 10, 15 states worth of data to show that there's not a lot of price elasticity with consumers, meaning if you get above a certain amount from the illicit market, people just go right back to the illicit market. They're not gonna pay substantially more. And if for if you if you know, you want a perfect example of how irrational that can be is think back to when, you know, the whole vitamin E acetate in the concentration thing. So you had legal cannabis that, you know, maybe the concentrates were. you know, around here, uh, if you were in a medical dispensary, concentrates could be for half a gram, $70, $80 versus you had a gram of illicit concentrates for 30 or 40 bucks. And even with the knowledge that vitamin E was potentially in these things that you could get hurt, you could even die. People were buying those things left and right. So when you see those price disparities, it, it really impacts consumer behavior in terms of driving them to the illicit market.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so do you think that the MRTA, uh, those rates would end up being a lot more competitive in terms of of, of pricing on the shelf than if the MRTA were to pass with that you know 22% tax?
1: I, I do. You know? I think that we would see pricing that was much more competitive with the illicit market. Obviously, we're never, you're never going to be able to match the illicit market. They don't have to pay for, you know, taxes, insurance, rent, all that kind of stuff. Um, But you will get a lot closer. You'll I think look more like a Colorado market in terms of Mm. its pricing than perhaps a California market.
0: Do you see any problems with the MRTA uh, tax rate as it is?
1: I mean, you know, I think practically I, I, I think it's a good rate, Um, you know, a 22% ish rate, uh, I think, recognizes the fact that the government does want to get revenue from this, but they do want to reinvest it into communities. Um, And, you know, so I I don't think it's the worst thing ever, you know, maybe in a perfect world, would we just have the sales tax on it, just like every other business? Sure, but that's probably a bridge too far for even, you know, the very, (laughs) very liberal.
0: So now the, the governor has been talking about this revenue and, and, and so first off, let me ask you this. If the rates were cut into a third on the THC tax for the CRTA, right? So let's say instead of seven tenths, you were talking about two tenths of a cent. Do you think that's a, that's a good plan at that point? Do you think that plan is, is better than the, the MRTA?
1: I, I still don't because a I think there's just a lot of complexity with the whole tax regime anyways. Um, B when I did some very, very back of the napkin calculations comparing, um, the CRTA's proposed THC tax with Illinois current THC tax, it was about three times as much, um, give or take, like when you did the math, you, you got a tax rate that was about, you know, three times higher. Um, Not overall, but like the THC tax itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think lowering it down, okay, now you're starting, you're in the realm of Illinois, but Illinois is still being like heralded as a very high cannabis tax state. Um, So I don't think that's the answer in my opinion.
0: Well, when, When we did analysis, we found that states with lower taxes end up higher revenue per capita. Um, and and it's, it's nothing's apple to apples. You can't compare steak canvas markets, right. And regulatory structures. But do you think generally that's a, that's a, a rule in that the lower the taxes, the more revenue to a, to us to a certain extent.
1: I I do. I honestly do. I mean, obviously there's a point of diminishing returns, right? Like does the revenue skyrocket if your tax rate is 1%? I, I, I don't think so, but you know, my, one of my favorite examples is the state of Washington. When they first legalized, they had a 25% tax rate at every level at the cultivation processing and retail 75% tax rate. That's insane. Um, When they, you know, realized a year later, this is crazy. They collapsed it all down to a 37% flat tax and their revenue doubled. I mean, it's, it, right there. Maybe it sounds counterintuitive on the surface. Oh, you lower your tax rate, you collect more money. But when you think through it, you're making a more competitive product. You're bringing that product into equilibrium. You know, if anybody's taken uh, e- e- economics course, you have the supply and demand curves, and depending on where you put the price, is where you where supply and demand equal. So the higher the price,
0: yeah. the lower the demand. Yeah. So with the More Act. Um, passing the House last year, and a, a Democrat majority, even of the slimmest, uh, you know, way possible, in the U.S. Senate, the MORE Act, and and uh, you know, is going to be another consideration. There is a ta- There is taxes in the MORE Act. What are those taxes, Jason?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know off the top of my head what those rates are, but that is something that we always have to consider. Not to mention the fact that. You know we've been talking we've been having this talk but we have we've neglected i'm not going to say the tax rate but it's con- it's kind of like the invisible tax of section 280e of the federal tax code so those not familiar that is a section that says if you traffic in a controlled substance on schedule one or two you are denied all deductions except for cost of goods sold so that effectively works as you know, upwards of a 40%, 50% tax. When, if you're a dispensary owner, you might have a tax rate between 70 and 90%. Um, so that's, wow. so the, that's always part of the conversation that's sort of missing because we're always looking at uh, the state tax rate, the state tax rate. We forget the feds are out there and they're denying deductions for everything, effectively increasing your tax
0: rate. So essentially you're telling me that a dispensary is going to pay Possibly 70% of their gross revenue in tax. Wow. Yeah, because
1: 280 E, all you get to do is deduct cost of goods. What's your cost of goods? The cannabis you're buying, the people that are working for you, the lights on in the um, place that you are selling out of, the place that you're selling, those are non deductible costs.
0: And so with a tax rate that you say, you know, come, cost, possibly come out to 60% effective rate on the sale. A dispensary is trying to get some sort of parity in terms of pricing with the illicit marketplace, with maybe they're in Binghamton and they are in Pennsylvania's legal and they're trying to get close to Pennsylvania or they're in Orange County and they want to get their rate close to New Jersey or you're in Albany and you're trying to get closer to you know Massachusetts. Your margins are so impossibly thin at that point then because just on taxes, just on what the federal government is is getting you with and now the state. And so, Jason, tell me how as a small business owner, as a social equity applicant, you're supposed to make money off having just one dispensary.
1: Oh, you're going to get crushed. I mean, that's the unfortunate reality is I honestly, as a lawyer who consults with small businesses all the time, I don't know how you do that. You, you can't, your, your margins are razor thin. You're competing with potentially gigantic multi-state operators who may be benefiting from vertical integration, who can you know really benefit from uh, economies of scale. I don't know how you do it because as a retail dispensary owner, you're at the end of the chain. You're pretty much subject to whatever the market is charging for the cannabis you're buying. But you're also being squeezed by the consumer because, again, the consumers will just go to the illicit market or the other states if your prices are too high, and you may not be able to help that. So it really is going to put a squeeze on those dispensary owners, particularly you know the disproportionately impacted social equity applicants. Um, it's going to be really hard for them.
0: Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 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 so that leads me to think about the revenue to the state right so the state is in a hole financially right the size of the hole is debated by by the assembly and and the senate and the governor's office there is a debate going on with that so we won't put a number on it it's mul- it's multiple billions of dollars right. right and then also we've seen a job job losses that are unbelievably high. We've lost more jobs in, in our area in Binghamton and statewide since they started recording job growth in New York State. Um, and so when the governor talks about cannabis legalization, adult use cannabis legalization, he talks about it in one, trying to you know raise revenue for the state and two economic uh, impact, right? From a revenue raising perspective, what I understand is that this revenue cannot be bonded. Is that true?
1: Um, I, I, honestly, I'm not sure about that off the top of my head. Uh, that one, I don't really know. I do. I, I will say though that, unfo- unfortunately, I think that you know this was the obvious choice um, that was going to happen. Uh, you know, when the pandemic hit last year, mm-hmm. my my concern all along was they're going to raise the taxes because they're going to look at this as, you know, we need to fill the coffers. And I think that's just the wrong way to look at it.
0: Um, But Jason, if you couldn't bond, so let's say hypothetically, you cannot bond this revenue. Can the state really use that to fill the budget if they can't bond the revenue?
1: I I don't think they can. I I think that it's, it's not, it's not going to be what they, the revenue is not going to be what they want it to be.
0: Now, what if there's 30,000 jobs? What's that impact on uh, payroll taxes and income taxes to the state?
1: Well, I mean, that's huge. You know, if we look back at uh, the disparity between when the health department uh, did the calculus on what they thought they could generate off of cannabis, and then the Rockefeller uh, Center for Government came in with their analysis that said, yeah, okay, great, the cannabis tax direct from that, that's one, but we're not talking, we're also, we have to include the economic activity. Mm. What are the jobs, the property taxes, the income taxes, when you look at that, that number is huge compared to the Department of Health. So that 30,000 jobs or whatever, that's people paying income taxes, buying houses, generating more economic activity, that's, it, it's tremendous.
0: Yeah. I think Jason, I think that's, that's what we need to be looking at. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that should be the number one priority. How do we set up a, not how much, you know, what's our, how much, how can we get the tax revenue to the highest possible rate, you know, to try to get money that they might not even really be able to use effectively when we talk about bonding, et cetera. And that, that's, that's how the governor should be thinking about it. That's how legislative leaders should be thinking about it. So, what do you think is going to happen then, Jason? Do you think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a standoff. Those are very big differences between the MRT and the CRTA. So what happens? Is there even a compromise in between those two? I mean, you know,
1: I, I think it, it comes down to how much the legislature wants to flex its muscle. So we know that the Senate um, picked up, the New York State Senate picked up a veto-proof majority in this past election. So if they really want to put their new power to the test, they can steamroll Cuomo. Now that does come with uh, drawbacks, you know, because that maybe kills their negotiating power in another area where they wanted to work with him. So it's not all or all or nothing, you know, they do have to work together, but they do have a little bit of muscle to flex and say, you know, this is important to us. This is how we want to do it. And we do have the ability to do this, even if you don't want to. Um, So I I really hope that the legislature stands firm on its ground and says, you know, look, this is a data-based approach. We have talked to the experts. We, We have done the analysis. We have looked at the other states. This is the right thing. And, you know, I've said this all along. In New York, we are great, great at raising taxes. Probably some of the best in the country great at raising taxes, not so much lowering. Hmm. So if the legislature is wrong, let's say they're just totally wrong and we can tax cannabis to whatever amount we want, great. How hard do you think it's gonna con- be to convince the legislature and the governor to raise the taxes? Hmm. I'm gonna say pretty easy. Yeah. But if we go the other route where the gov- where we're taxing this and now they're saying, okay, we have this amount of revenue, it's gonna be a pretty hard sell for them to go, no, Let's lower that rate and hypothetically put less money in our coffers. I think that's a lot harder argument. I don't think that's one that's going to really happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Jason. So basically what we've got, we've got a possible up to 60% uh, effective net effect tax rate from the governor's proposal. 22% 22% very simply with 4% going back to the county. By the way, the, the CRT does not send anything back to, to, to the locals except for your 4% uh, local sales tax. So it is actually pretty similar, but you've got 60% over here in the governor's office, 22% over the MRTA with the legislature's proposal. That's a big difference. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but also they should focus on jobs, 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 right? Especially if they all want to, you know, Governor Cuomo has an election in 2022 jobs. Let's bring the economy back. Let's create jobs, create economic opportunity in places that haven't had this opportunity before. And let's stop focusing on what we can bleed out because it's a very small amount, 300 million dollars. It's not that much money, but when we talk about 30,000 jobs, we're talking about billions of dollars of impact. And I think that's the most important thing, uh,
1: And we just have to look at uh, the craft brewery scene in New York. How many jobs did opening up the craft brewery, lowering those taxes create? It was a huge boon to New York state.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, How do people connect with you? What what was the preferred channel?
1: Um, Feel free to email me through my uh, firm's website, BoylandCode.com, B-O-Y-L-A-N-C-O-D-E.com. Attend Hemp Lab events. Uh, I also um, am adjunct professoring at Finger Lakes Community College, teaching a cannabis regulation class. So if you're ever interested in learning, come join us Um, or, you know, any of the other ways uh, that I'm out there on the Internet, please feel free to connect.
0: Well, thanks, Jason. You know, you're a huge asset to the cannabis industry in New York, and we're going to have you back on after all this shakes out. We'll see what's going on after this passes or doesn't pass. We'll figure out what, what what's going on with these taxes. Uh, you've been listening to another episode of Empire State of Cannabis. You know, we bring you uh, everyone who, who has something to offer from a thought leadership perspective, lawmakers, activists, et cetera, on this show to talk about New York Cannabis is your only place to get New York Cannabis-specific information, insights, perspectives. Uh, so like, subscribe, continue to tune in got some excellent uh guests coming up in the lead up to uh what looks like a showdown between the legislature and the governor's office so uh thank you everybody